welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, Nuck If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, Thunderous Applause, and the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA. Hey everyone, the NBA season is underway and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point of total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. What a week we've had here. The Cavaliers looking good, um, despite some bad news, which we'll get into here in a minute. Uh, joining me today, Dan Galinsky, Amadou So from King James Gospel. Guys, how are you doing? How are you feeling after this this little two-game stretch here, the Cavs beating the Nets? It's It's been a lot to take in you know, over these past couple of days, but I'm just ready to talk about it. Cavs on a three-game binge. Yeah, I'm all for it. A lot happening right now. Uh, we'll start with, I guess we'll, we'll start with the negative. I mean, it's kind of some pretty big news with KPJ. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. traded to the Rockets. Um, you know, Before last episode, I talked a little bit about the whole situation and what went down and how the Cavaliers were looking to move on from him. They were either going to trade or waive him. Uh, fortunately, they found a trade. They got a protected second-round pick, which is the NBA equivalent to absolutely nothing. But um, basically, the Cavaliers get off of his salary in this trade. Um, they don't have to waive him and eat that money. He was guaranteed for this year and next. Uh, he has a team option after that, which we'll see what happens, You know whether he can rehabilitate himself with the Rockets. But um, overall, yeah, the Cavaliers get off of KPJ's salary. Get a pick that will likely never convey, but maybe will. Uh, and if it does, it'll be a bottom five pick, probably. I'm assuming it's probably like top 55 protected, just because that's about the least you can give up. And uh, the Cavaliers opened up a roster spot with this move, so you know, that was going to happen whether he was traded or waived, regardless. But um, Amadou, how you feeling about this whole KPJ situation? We haven't really had a discussion about it here on the podcast. Uh, what are your what are your general thoughts about the whole situation, about the trade, what everything in general? Yeah, I just feel like the entire situation is 
it's pretty upsetting. You know, throughout the entire season, even before the season, you know, whether it be on a podcast or, you know, in articles that everybody's written, it's been talked about how, you know, early season, the Cavs were looking good and KPJ is not here yet. You know, it's always been that and to it. You know, he's not here. He's supposed to come back soon. He's supposed to be that player that, you know, maybe will take the Cavs over the hump this season. I mean, you know, going into the end of last season, there was a lot of talks about who would start between him or Darius Garland. So, I mean, such a talented player to to be traded for for nothing. I, I feel like, you know, maybe it took a lot for the Cavs to trade him. Maybe there was more behind it than what we heard, you know, through the media and such. I mean, you talk about how it all went down. Uh, him losing his locker to Torian Prince. I, I feel like you you could see the wrong in both ways because I'm not sure if he was told prior. He, I feel like I think the report it said seems that it was like after he wasn't. That, um, yeah, it seems like he wasn't. It was that game where you know he had first came back and sat on the bench. I think that's when that you know whole thing happened. So I mean, you talk about a guy who has dealt with a lot of things during the season for. The Cavs to move his locker, you could say that wasn't really a good move, but at the same time for for Kevin Porter Jr. to, you know, go on a tyrant over losing his locker isn't something that should have happened either. I don't know. I feel like there was wrongs on both sides, but if that's what the front office felt had to happen for this team to stay composed and keep their culture and such, I can't hate them for it. But I do feel like that this is a, a step backwards in this rebuild. Well, I'd say, I mean, it's it's certainly a step backwards. I don't think that this is going to crush the Cavs. I think we've, we've seen after these last two games. It's not going to be something that, you know, derails this team. But, yeah, you, you talk about the locker happening, and the, the Cavaliers, I think, it definitely could have handled that situation better. Um, their reasonings were, you know, COVID protocols facing the lockers apart, and they gave it to Tari and Prince based on seniority. Two things that are understandable, you know, and I, I get why the Cavaliers did it. But if, if it, what it seems like from the information that we have is that KPJ didn't have any clue that this was happening. You can't understand how KPJ would kind of see this as a sign of disrespect. Now, does that warrant, you know, for you to go on this, you know, you said tirade in the locker room? No, it doesn't. Um, and obviously that was the thing that, you know, it, it, it's been said a lot, the straw that broke the camel's back for, you know, this organization's patience with KPJ. Um, obviously there have been a plenty of other incidents that have happened. Uh, the Cavaliers have stuck by him through all of it. And this, this, this move is definitely a risk. I think it was going to be a risk either way, you know, whether you keep him and risk more outbursts, but, you know, hope for the reward or you, you trade him away and, you know, rid yourself of that, but at the same time, lose out on a really, really talented player. It seems like this has the potential to really, really blow up in the Cavs' face if KPJ, you know, plays well in Houston, which is yet to be seen. But, uh, Dan, how are you feeling about the whole situation with KPJ? Yeah, um, it's, yes, it's, it's a step back in the sense that, uh, we just know that he has so much potential um, just really, especially kind of in the back half of last season after, um, or I guess maybe like 2020 part of the schedule on um, when he was in there, he clearly was more engaged um, post Clarkson trade. And um, he was, he seemed to be featured more. um, And I I thought, uh, especially with, 
how Garland has come on, I just think it was really would have given us a lot of juice to have him. Um, I think could have been kind of a de facto one role guy. Um, I was kind of looking forward to seeing that. Um, this could have been a, I think with how they've kind of constructed things around it now, could have been really a high quality on a point of attack defender for them too. Um, I think that would have suited him more, but um, obviously there were a number of things that transpired and it was not just seemed to be kind of a rocky relationship um, or at least grew rocky or um, which you can imagine from the Cavs standpoint, there was a lot of things probably that it just was a pile up. It seemed. And uh, it's, I just hope for him that he's even like beyond basketball, that he's able to be um, mentally right. And I, I think he can be a star in this league. He just has to uh, grow up in some areas, but um, given the background that he had, it's, it's, it's just, it's unfortunate because he's seems to be a special kid and I just hope the best for him. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm glad to see him land on his feet. I'm glad that there was a team out there that traded for him that, you know, showed that, Hey, we really do want you. We believe in you. I think that that's important for him. You know, I hope that Houston will be able to provide that structure in the same kind of way that the Cavs at least tried to. Um, and we'll, we'll just have to see if it works out. But obviously, you know, even if it does blow up in the Cavs' face, rooting for Kevin Porter Jr. both on and off the court, um, you know, hopefully whatever needs to be figured out with him can get figured out. And I think that, you know, if, if he gets to a chance to prove himself on the court, that'll, that'll prove itself. But um, along with this move, like we said, um, it does open up a roster spot for this Cavaliers team, which does matter. Um multiple different routes that they could go with this open roster spot. Um, guys like Sam Amico and Chris Fedor have noted that uh, it opens up, having this extra roster spot opens up the possibilities for a Drummond trade. Um, obviously that would have been a little bit more difficult before because th- th- there aren't a lot of guys that are making that salary, you know, the 28.7 I believe that Drummond is making. So having the ability to take on two guys and not have to waive anybody, uh, you know, Candidates on this team to be waived would be either Matthew Delvadova, who doesn't seem like a candidate, at least in the Cavs organization's eyes, to be waived, and he does have a guaranteed salary as well. That leaves Dean Wade as the other likely candidate, who I don't think that they should waive under any circumstance unless it's a really, really great move. But um, overall, this does give them that flexibility to take on two guys in a trade instead of just having to do a one-for-one. Um, they could also look to sign somebody with this, obviously. Um, Dan, you, you talked about you know getting to see KPJ run the point a little bit. I think that is kind of a hole in this team right now. Obviously, you know we've seen Damian Dotson kind of fill in that point guard role, and I think you know we could see him play some backup minutes. Garland is back. Sexton is here. Uh, you know, in, in between all those guys, you can fill in enough minutes there. But with with Matthew Delvadova gone, or at least it out for right now, with concussion protocol still, we have no idea when that's going to end. Um, it, it seems like the Cavaliers could use another point guard on this team. Yogi Ferrell could be a guy that they bring back. Um, do you like the idea of bringing back Yogi, or would you rather just keep this roster spot open? I assume you, you probably keep it open for the time being, but uh, what do you think that they should do with this in, right now? Uh, you say me for me first. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'd like them to keep it open a little bit. At least let guys kind of, um, at least kind of imp- incorporate, let Prince have a little bit more of a role earlier on. Um, kind of stick to that kind of playmaking by committee type. Um, I, I still think Dotson has done a really commendable job um, in that kind of de facto um, reserve one kind of role. I think he's more than fine there. And um, just what they're, what they're able to do with dribble handoffs with guys like Nance and Allen and uh, just kind of featuring rollers a little bit, uh, I, I think that's fine. I, I don't, especially with DG back, at, at least knock on wood. Um, I, I think that's good enough. Um, I, I think it's it's proven that Jetty has, at least in a kind of reserve playmaker role, ideally, is is pretty solid in that realm. Um, and I, I'd be for bringing in Farrell again, but give it like a couple of weeks if that's what you're planning on doing. Um, and just the fact that there could be these offers coming, um, I'd rather them leave it open for now. I think that there's definitely another Cavs trade coming, whether it's JaVale or Drummond or who knows, maybe even both. I think you, you probably wait until one or both of those moves are done. And I yeah. think, like I said, at least one of them are going to happen. So and t- you want to keep that roster flexibility open for trades until, you know, if, if the trade is done and then you still have that open roster spot, maybe you bring in a guy like Yogi. Uh, Amadou, where are you at with this? And uh, if the Cavaliers were to sign another player, is Yogi the guy that you would like? Yeah, I agree with what you guys said. I feel like I keep this roster spot open until the Cavs finish making their moves. You know, like you said, whether that be trading Drummond or McGee, maybe even both. I'm not sure. Now, on the topic of bringing Yogi back, I'd be down for it. But I just, I mean, unless it's just, you know, just have a third point guard on the roster, you know, depending on, you know, when or if Matthew Dovadova will be coming back this season. I just don't see where he could get minutes currently on this team. You know, I feel like Dotson probably has that backup point guard spot solidified uh, at least now but yeah I'm 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 with keeping that roster spot open until you know the trade time has simmered down are there any guys in particular that are on your radar I mean we talked about you know with the hardship exception you know roster spot you know we talked about some guys or is it in the same realm or do you think they should target a different position where do you think they should go if they were to sign somebody yeah I'd probably say it's, it's in the same realm considering the overabundance of wings and bigs this guy had um, excuse me this team has i feel like you know point guard makes the most sense personally i'd probably try to go after shabazz napier over yogi but i wouldn't be mad at yogi either maybe i don't know maybe you can bring in another young point guard to potentially groom on this team you know like i said um i just had like a oh excuse me like i said uh in the previous pod when we talked about the point guards miles powell is a guy that maybe they could bring in um Maybe groom him to be your backup, or maybe not even, you know, he can, you know, earn spot minutes and such, sign him, or you can do the, the sign and wave thing. I don't know if teams are still able to do that just so they have his, his G League rights or, you know, that little loophole that there is, but, you know, yeah. Well, looking at where this team is at right now, they're 8-7. and seven. They just swept the Nets, like we said earlier. Uh, this week, they beat the Nets 147-135 to 135 in double overtime. Uh, that was the the Colin Sexton game, and then they beat him again. Obviously, there was no Kevin Durant in that second game. Uh, they beat him 125-113. to 113. The Cavaliers, like I said, are 8-7. and seven. Like, this is a team that at least, you know, for the time being, we'll have to see, you know, February is going to be a tough month for this team. They have a really, really difficult schedule. I mean, even looking ahead to you know, these next couple games, they have the Celtics and Lakers. Those are going to be tough games. 
But this team, 15 games in, has to be feeling a little bit good about themselves. You know, I mean, you have a winning record with all these injuries. There has to be at least, I mean, you know, at least the guys on the team and you know, some within the organization kind of have to have a sense that maybe this is a team that will seriously be in that playoff mix. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, they do sign somebody, whether they go in more of the proven vet you know, route of a Shabazz or a Yogi or a young guy like, you know, Miles Powell, or we've mentioned Alonzo Trier in the past, or, you know, anybody in that realm. But uh, we'll, we'll kind of get into the games now. Like we said, you know, the double overtime win, um, Colin Sexton just torched the Nets, um, finished with 42 points, five rebounds, five assists. Uh, we got the debut of Jared Allen and Tarian Prince in this game against their former teams. Um, Jetty Osmond had a Jetty Osmond good game, not a Jetty Osmond bad game. Uh, in this game, had 25-7-7. and We kind of talk about the playmaking, you know, that we've seen him, you know, kind of take on that secondary playmaker role within the offense at times. But, um, Amadou, we'll start with you. Just what did you like in this team, you know, in the first game particularly? You know, the the Colin breakout, the Jetty breakout, you know, who who did you really... I, I guess like, this is kind of an obvious answer, but who was the, really the most noticeable you know, player of the game. Well, you know, obviously you could say Sexton. Uh, I just want to say this is the most hype I've been watching a Cavs game since probably that 17-18 season. It was great to watch. And I feel like this is, you know, for those all-star slash star type of guys, they always have that big game where, you know, the media or the national media at that sort of latches onto them. I feel like this was that game for Colin Sexton. And um, that's just, you know, really exciting to see. He did his thing. You know, I think he scored, what, 20 straight points in, in both overtimes, you know, to really lead this team to that win. And a win against, you know, their first game, spoiling that first game for that big three. And that big three did, you know, play well. You know, KD, I believe he had 38. I think Kyrie had 37 or just around there. And Harden had his triple-double. But, you know, for Colin to do that, it was great. It was great. Um, talking about some other guys, like you said, Jetty played well, 25-7-7. I want to highlight uh, Torian Prince. I feel like he played well, too, in his first game. Or, yeah, uh, 17.7 rebounds, 4 assists. And Jared Allen, you know, the newcomers really showed out for us, you know. Um, And we saw Jared Allen, you know, kind of fizzle out drumming in the end of the fourth in both overtimes and such. He took over, you know, that starting role. Or he was that big for those, you know, two and a half quarters, if, if you even count overtime as a quarter or whatever. But, you know, for... As depleted as the team was going into that game, it was great. You know, Larry Nancy did his thing defensively. You know, it was really a, a delight to see, and it was really a treat. Dan, looking at the Colin Sexton performance, it, were you surprised at all by him coming out and doing this right away? Obviously, this was his first game. Or not, was, was, this wasn't his first game back from injury, was it? It was. Well, it was. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So anyway, this is his first game back from injury. I thought he looked a little bit rusty at the very beginning of the game, which was obviously understandable. You know, he'd been off for an extended period of time. But uh, did, were you surprised to see this, or, you know, did you think it was something that was coming? How do you feel about the, the Colin Sexton breakout game? Yeah, I, I think it was – I mean, what he did in overtime was something else, but or I guess both of them. But, yeah, I mean, if you look back, he had, what, 20 or – or what did he have, 20 after regulation. So, um, I mean, really lit it up in overtime, but I thought he was seemed a little bit rusty um, in a good amount of the game. But it just shows that I think kind of what it proved to me in 
Um, while the Cavs' offense, I think, is movement is obviously essential, um, both man and ball movement, um, especially with kind of Windler and, and guys like Prince now in the fold. I, I think that's clear, but I just think when push comes to shove, uh, when there's opportunities for these kind of clutch situations, I, it just shows that um, even with Love back or when he's back, whatever, um, it, it's clear as day that Sexton is obviously the primary scorer, but he's also the clutch time scorer. And I, I just think, to me, it proved that he's he's got the closer mentality in him. Another interesting note in this first game was that Jared Allen was obviously not the starter in either of these games, but was the closing center for yep. this team. Um, like I said, had 12 points, 11 rebounds, four big blocks. Um, you know, good to see that. You know, he blocked Reggie Perry, I believe, multiple times in that first game. Just good to see him you know, really kind of make some big plays against his former team. But, uh, Amadou, we can go to you in this one. Do you like the Cavaliers kind of and, – and obviously I think it will depend on – you know, how they play, you know, the entirety of the game. They'll both get plenty of minutes, you know, in the first three quarters. But how did you like the decision to play Jared Allen over Andre Drummond down the stretch? And how do you just like their – how do you compare their styles of play? And I guess which one do you like more for this team? Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved uh, JB's, you know, decision to have Jared Allen be that closing center for us because I feel like Jared played better in that last game um, than Drummond did. Uh, comparing the two, uh, Jared is a much, much, much better finisher around the rim. It's it's great to have a center who can actually, you know, finish those tough dunks and such. Um, defensively, I feel like Allen is, is better because he gives more effort. Yeah, I feel like both, you know, are fairly well, you know, rim protectors, shot alterers. Um, and just comparing the two, I mean, Drummond is more, you know, hands-on, I want to say. He probably demands the ball more, whereas... Jared Allen, it seems like he just lets the game come to him. You know, he doesn't try to do too much. And that right there, I feel like, is why I like Jared Allen much better. Uh, of course, he's younger, too, so he fits the timeline more. But it's just the fact that, you know, Jared Allen isn't going to try to bring the ball up the court or dribble, try to size up the opposing center at the three-point line and then running and just, just throw the ball at the rim and just hopes he, hopes he goes in. He, you know, he'll let the game, you know, come to him. He'll set the screens. You know, he's a great lob threat. And... That that right there is why I I think you know Jared Allen is better placed for this team than Andre Drummond is. Hey hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. One thing you mentioned is, you know, just finishing around the rim. It's, it's pretty clear that Jared Allen just has more touch. Um, obviously, when you just look at, you know, paint dominance, Andre Drummond is just so much bigger and is able to use his force around the rim, you know, in a way that a, a guy like Jared Allen just can't. 
but we, we see already just Jared Allen has the ability to kind of hit some of those hook shots or those flip sh- flip shots. He's just he's he just has that touch that Andre Drummond does not have on the ball. And we've seen Jared Allen, you know, take a couple of jumpers. He's not someone who's taken any threes. Uh, he, he's never been a three-point shooter in his career, at least up to this point. You know, that's something that, you know, just watching him right now is something that might be in store as he, you know, progresses through his career. But has a little bit of that mid-range ability as well. Um, it hasn't been making him, you know, obviously we've only seen two games of it, at least with the Cavaliers. But seems to have you know a little bit of you know reliability in the mid range as well, which even that kind of scares me sometimes with Andre. Just you know, I think he's a better free throw shooter than Andre is. And another thing, just looking at the style of play, is his willingness to just run pick and rolls with these young guards. I think that that is really really important. Um, he's gotten some good looks off of it. Obviously, he's a great lob threat. Um, overall, it, it's just. The, the offense, I feel, is able to flow much nicer with Jared Allen than it is with Andre Drummond. And that's not necessarily a knock on Andre because, I mean, Andre just is a... It, it, Andre has been effective this year. He's been a very, very good player. He's been one of the most important players in the Cavaliers. I'm not denying that. But when Andre is on the floor, you, he is going to get his post touches, you know, for better or worse. You're going to have to kind of run the offense through him. And I think Jared Allen just kind of fits better in as a piece rather than the guy in the offense. Um, Dan, how do you like the the style of Jared Allen compared to Andre? Oh, plenty to, to unpack here. Um, I, I think it was uh, J.B. Biggerstaff after the game. Uh, I don't remember the exact quote, but kind of touched on how, like, when Dylan Windler's out there, the he just makes things easier um, for other guys around him. Um, I think with Allen, the more I watch him, at least with this group, um, you, you saw it in Brooklyn for a while, um, just kind of blends in. But it's not that's not like a knock, um, kind of as, as you guys both touched on. Um, just such like unbelievably better touch than Drummond. It's it's legitimately night and day. Uh, and I, I just like that he is kind of like a no-nonsense finisher at times um, on those putbacks, can just kind of go up with them strong. Seems like with Drummond, I mean, he'll get he'll get some putback viability. Um, but I, I just remember, like, based on the effort thing, um, there was like a missed layup inside in that game yesterday. Um, I think Austin Carr kind of said, like, Andre has to finish. Like, he missed that because there just wasn't the effort. He didn't he kind of just, like, flew it up there. And, and the, I mean, it was a miss layup. It wasn't the worst miss in the world. I mean, it was not the easiest shot. But basically, like, with Allen, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's when he has an opportunity, he's going to finish. It's just clear. And doesn't there's no, like, kind of, like, wasted dribbles or wasted motion. Um, when the ball has to be moved, does it well. I just think his handoffs have more impact than Drummond. Because it's actually a screen, too, when he sets him. Drummond kind of just lazily just kind of, like, does it, looking like he's kind of just going through the motions of it. He, you can tell he just doesn't like doing those, which I get. He wants the ball. But with Allen, it's just – he just fits in so much better. It's just seamless. Where with Drummond, again, there's just – at times, I mean, I give him credit for kind of just willing home some wins here and there. Um, but – with him having big games, you just look back and had a 33 and 23 game and we won the game by three points. So, and again, there were a lot of injuries. I'm not going to go into the kind of 
all that stuff there. But with Allen, just per, his style is just so much more sustainable. And defensively, he's not a guy – I'm not going to say he's like a switch-out type. Um, but doesn't – again, doesn't – isn't handsy like Drummond. Doesn't take – it doesn't seem to take unnecessary fouls. Um, is just more impactful in that way to me. Um, and I, I just think – I'd like for the Cavs, honestly, to hold on to Drummond for a good bit. I, I think it's kind of a nice guy to have for those kind of stretches in the middle of games to kind of carve out space. But um, with Allen, I just think the fact that he actually can hit a free throw – um, also adds that he's your closer guy, and that just shows that he's the long-term guy. I agree with you on that, yeah. And um, w- one more question I have, just because we've seen it already this year, and obviously, you know, as this team gets more healthy, uh, it, it, lineup experimentation will be less because you, you have your set rotation. But, uh, Dan, I'll go to you on this one first. Are we going to see any Alan Drummond minutes this year on the court together? Well, I mean, based on what we've seen um, with JB, I, I don't I don't see why not. And knock on wood, but you never know. There could be another injury in the next, you know, two games. So um, I, I'm going to say there is, yeah. Um, especially more so. Well, maybe when if and when Travail is still like active if needed, um, but yeah, with how JB's been, I, I'll say yeah. Why the hell not? All right, well, I, I want to get over to Tarian Prince as well, who obviously has looked very, very good. That, he's, he's, I, I didn't co-sign those minutes, for the record, but it seems like the way things it, have gone, yeah. It was done out of pure necessity, I believe. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah, yeah. Bickerstaff just kind of said, screw it, we need healthy bodies. Obviously, you know, that was uh, – that's what I'm saying. As, as the rotations get more, you know, in set and as yeah. guys get healthy, I don't think we're going to see it as much, but I'm not going to rule it out either. But, yeah, I'm um, just thinking, I mean, against the Lakers, maybe. I could see it, maybe. Maybe. We'll have to see. I mean, Anthony Davis is the power forward. You're, you're probably going to you're gonna have to roll out some bigger lineups, so we'll, we'll just have to see. But uh, getting into Torian Prince, who had 17 points in that first game, 14 in the second, um, you know, had, I believe in that second game, had 14 points, three rebounds, and assists to block a steal. Uh, someone who, Torian was the, the chase down block, right? Yeah. Yes, I, I thought so. I thought that that was him, but uh, someone who, again, I was not super high on coming into Cleveland, just because you know he's just kind of he's been a, a weird player, a kind of confusing player for me at least throughout his career. Someone who you know had a really a good start in Atlanta, um, it looked like you know man, this guy might be a really legitimate three point shooter. Uh, like you know, like I said in the past. It kind of looked like, you know, he was a guy who was going to have defense as his main identity. Wasn't really the case. You know, came into the career and showed that, you know, hey, this guy really has some offensive firepower. Uh, and that really just kind of fell off with Brooklyn and the defense. It, it, it wasn't terrible, but it never really came and made him a real plus player in my eyes while he was in Brooklyn. It was just kind of like, it, you know, was that Atlanta kind of hot shooting start to his career fluke. It was, it, it was just really kind of uncertain. And I wasn't really sure what we were going to get from him. Obviously, it's only been two games, but we have seen Tari and Prince play the best two games, I believe, of the season <laughs> for him. Um, again, was shooting the ball well from three, hit some deep threes in these games, You know, showed a little bit of ability to kind of just work in the mid-range and get some shots up and you know hit those as well. So a little bit of playmaking, 
a little bit of rebounding, just overall has proven at least, and I was watching it on a uh, website that is not exactly legal, but um, I was watching it. They didn't have the Fox Sports Ohio broadcast. They had the Yes Network, so I was watching it on the Nets side saying, if, if Torian Prince had played like he has these past two games, they may not have traded him. It, it, the, this is a guy who would have been very, very valuable for this Nets team to have. Um, Abadou, have you liked the start that Tarian Prince has gotten off to? I have to assume that you do, but do you think this is this is something he's going to be able to keep up? Is this sustainable? Yeah, uh, obviously, yeah. I love the start. Now, as if, if this is going to be something that's sustainable, I feel like when Torian Prince is in this sort of role where he's playing, you know, a lot off ball, you know, most of his shots are catch and shoot and he's not trying to do too much. Yeah, I feel like maybe not, you know, he's not going to be putting up 17 a night or whatever, but I feel like this, you know, around that 35 to 40 percent shooting range from three i feel like that is definitely sustainable from him now you know what i've read about him is that he does tend to try to do too much you know sometimes but on a team with the amount of depth that we have you know the, the sort of culture that we have the coaching that we have i feel like you know we can definitely bring the best out of torian and i, I, feel, I feel like yeah i feel like torian is, is going to be a guy who's going to stick around for you know at least until the end of his contract if he plays like this, and I think you, you make a good point in that in the role he's in, he's not going to try to do too much. I think he has a very defined role in this team. He has a kind of defined spot within the rotation at this point as well. And we, we talk about, you know, KPJ losing and that being a serious setback. I'm not saying that it isn't, but, you know, kind of one thing I was concerned about with kind of reintroducing him into the fold was how is this wing rotation going to work out? Because you have so many guys, and we were kind of talking about, is, are, are any of these guys going to kind of be out of the rotation? Was it going to be Jetty? Was it going to be Tarion? Was it going to be someone else? Because we have Windler in here now as well. I think, well, taking KPJ out of the fold is a blow. It, it kind of solves the problem at the same time, where you can play all these guys in this wing rotation together. I think taking away the need to give him minutes will allow all of these guys to play. So you also aren't going to run into the into the um, the problem with Tarion Prince where maybe he isn't getting consistent minutes. So when he is in there, he's trying to do too much to prove that he deserves a role. So I think having him in this kind of limited role, but also kind of in a set amount of minutes is going to be really, really good for him. And obviously we'll have to see if the hot shooting continues, but obviously you have to like what you see so far. Uh, Would you agree with that, Dan? Yeah, I I think it's just shows that it's pretty much the complete opposite of last year. Um, Having, truly capable wings that are and actually having depth there is is just kind of a newfound thing for the Cavs um and it, I think for Bickerstaff it's it's definitely um a good problem to have uh but yeah with Porter it would have could have it it seems like it could have maybe created maybe or a potential rift kind of behind the scenes just like kind of where where would you put him at? But again, I think he would, given all the other guys, I think they'd kind of rule him out there at the one, or at least kind of a key playmaking two, um, just to kind of work him in there more um, and had him alongside other tertiary playmakers anyhow. But um, yeah, I think it just kind of allows Windler to have more of that uh, kind of find ways to get him in at the two, three, um, role. And it's, I don't know, it's just in that sense, it's, it's a plus that they don't have to worry about that, but, um, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what bigger staff does. And 
Yeah, I, I for the record, I would have the Yes Network. Um, I, I would have been interested to hear that call from of how Prince and Allen were playing with Iron Eagle. He's he's the man, but. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of an embarrassment of riches for for the Cavs at that at those kind of wing spots, um, which we haven't seen in God knows how long. So that's a plus. Yeah, coming into the season, you know, looking at this as a, a real kind of weak spot on this team, having a guy like Windler in there, obviously, but drafting Isaac Okoro, bringing in Tarian Prince, well, Jetty having Osmond. Windler for now, knock on wood. Okay, yeah. Well, how about we get into Windler real quick? Obviously, made played in his first complete NBA game, um, you know, his second second career game, but was able to make it all the way through without getting hurt. Uh, had six points, six boards, and he shot two for two from three. He looked really, really confident with the stroke, and I think it, it really just had to feel really, really good for him to get that first one to fall. But I think what we saw last night is what we can expect from Dylan. I think. In the preseason and even in that first game, it, it just kind of looked like, again, you know, maybe he was just a little bit, you know, overhyped and just kind of, you know, maybe some nerves were in there as well. But he really just looked comfortable on the floor last night. You know, we saw the rebounding ability and we saw the shooting ability, which were the two big selling points for us with him. Um, overall, you know, again, it was a limited role. It was six points. But hitting those two threes, I think, were, were was very, very, very important for his confidence. And Amadou, do you think that this is something that, again, we'll, we'll, kind of with, with Prince, is sustainable? Do you think that this is, you know, what we're going to see from him moving forward? Um, well, yeah, this is, you know, like you said, the reason why, you know, we sort of drafted him, his shooting and rebounding abilities. Um, like you said, he had two great three-point shots. Um in that game, I feel like, you know, his movement off the ball is great for this team. Um, his rebounding is great for this team. And, you know, if his shot's falling, you know, this team off the bench, it's 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 very, it's very deadly, you know, basically. So do I feel like, you know, his, you know, off ball shooting will stay the same? I mean, I don't know if he's going to hit as tough of a shots as he hit this game, but I feel like just like the gravity that he, you know, attracts to himself. All of that, you know, even if his shot isn't falling, I feel like it's big for this team. But, you know, whether or not this level of play is sustainable, I'll, I'll say yes. I'll say yes, you know. Um, like you said, it's it's a confidence booster to see that shot fall down for him. Like we saw in the preseason, you know, his shot wasn't maybe what we had expected it to be. But, you know, hopefully he got, you know, that rust out of him now and he's good to go for the remainder of the season. Dan, do you think that his early shooting struggles were just that rust and kind of maybe nerves? Do you think that do you think he's found a shot at this point? Yeah, I don't think he's he's not going to shoot two of two um, every game, as we know. But I I think in his, his last year, I think he shot it was like the ninety is in like the ninety fourth percentile or something like that um, on catch and shoot jumpers in the half court. So. I just think with him, I, I really like that sequence when there was the chase down by Prince, and then um, he kind of made just like a nice little uh, kind of pass into it. I think it was to Darius, and um, I, I just really like what he can do, especially uh, in, in secondary transition, semi-transition. Um, this kind of a trailing three guy. I think that's something. I, I think he's a guy that can really, if the Cavs want to push, I think he can fit into that. Um, also, I just think just with his um, 
I think the more he plays, the more his rep will be known that he's kind of that catch and shoot guy. That um, I just think that'll pull um, off ball defenders. It'll create confusion um, when he's in there, and I just think that's kind of more the impact um, with his. I think his gravity in that sense, especially with how uh, Jared Allen, I think in sequences with him, um, with with pin downs and kind of kind of staggers double staggers um, that sort of thing um, with with other guys in there I think even more so with Kevin Love um, I think that ability will just open up more driving lanes um, regardless of what the clips are I just think with Windler I think he's a guy that as he gets comfortable will be kind of a 37 39 percenter um, from deep. And I, I don't know what the volume will be, but I, I just think with him, you're, it, it's, it, again, as JB touched on, he's just a guy that makes things easier for everybody else and um, can make things happen without the ball in his hands. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And just another another acquisition that this team had last night was you know bringing back Darius Garland, who came off the bench in 22 minutes and had 11 points, three assists, um, you know, it didn't really make a, a you know didn't have a on fire start, but obviously played very very well. Uh, I think you know just just seeing him back on the court and seeing he looked you know totally healthy, which was good to see. Obviously, the Cavaliers were very very cautious with bringing him back. Um, it was originally supposed to be about a week and it ended up obviously being longer than that. But he he looks completely ready to go. He looks healthy. He looked like you know the the, the Darius Garland that we saw at the beginning of the season. Um, Still, you know, able to finish, kind of, you know, make those moves down low. Still finishing, you know, around guys in the way that we saw before. And the playmaking still looks like it's there as well. He made, I thought, some really difficult passes that, you know, kind of just... The playmaking is obviously... It wouldn't go away in just that short period of time. But he looked like the Darius Garland that was there at the beginning of the season, which is just good to see. Um, Amadou, how did you feel that uh, Darius Garland played in the second game here? I feel like in this second game, you know, it was just about him, you know, getting his feet well once again. He was kind of knocking off some rust. I feel like there were some times where he was over-dribbling. Um, you know, around the rim, he didn't finish kind of well. You know, his shot was getting blocked, you know, a little much. But besides that, you know, it was great to have him back. Um, again, you know, just a guy who can orchestrate that offense. You know, we saw that. That worked well. Uh, he had a, a great lob to Jared Allen on a fast break. Um which was, you know, a delight to see. I feel like, you know, him and Jared Allen will kind of form that chemistry up. And, you know, even in the start of the game, you know, when he first came in, he had a, he had a pass that he whipped, a no-look pass that he whipped to Jared Allen. And, you know, Jared Allen, you know, that kind of surprised him. But, yeah, once those two get that chemistry, you know, going, it, you know, that duo will be will be great to watch. You know, I'm interested to see how, what the stats will tell between those two um, at the end of the season. But, you know, it's great to have our starting point guard back. You know, hopefully he can return to that, you know, 17 and, and 6 mark that he was doing before his injury. And, you know, I'm excited to see what him and Colin Sexton can do now. Yeah, I think having that, it, introducing a real pick and roll partner for Darius is going to be really, really important as the season goes on. And I, I like you said, I'm really excited to see how those two work together. Um, like I said, it's just it's never really been what Andre does as far as, you know, pick and rolls and, and being a real lob threat in that kind of way, it just seems like, 
you know, most of what the offense is with Andres is kind of dumping into him at the, on the post or kind of the, the mid-range area. So, you know, really giving Darius a partner to, to really, really kind of work with, you know, together on the offensive side of the ball, I think is really, really going to be fun to watch. Um, anything that you saw in particular from Darius in this game back here, Dan? Well, it was just, uh, seems like he, he still had his uh, shiftiness. Um had a couple instances that were not ideal. Um, DeAndre Jordan kind of kind of just laughed um, that he actually tried to put up that one kind of lefty kind of yeah um, yeah swallow him up there. a little. Um, I, I think he was just trying to show that he had some Kyrie and him off the high glass, but um, I, I'll I'm not going to knock him for that. But yeah, I, I just think he his pace looked good. I, I liked the um, shiftiness. Uh, there were a couple times he was forcing it, but. Um, just trying to get himself going, I can understand that. And um, I mean, he had Reggie Perry switched on him a few times, lost at one of them, but he's just trying to get himself back. Um, at which, uh, for a point guard that's that had missed, uh, I think it was eight games or whatever. I'm not going to knock him for it. And I, I thought, yeah, it's Omni alluded to. Um, the passing was definitely there. Um, you just see that the Cavs have just missed the kind of vision. Uh, kind of just an innate sort of stuff that they haven't had um, in that kind of no-look type pass. Uh, made a couple of nice skip feeds that I don't think ended up going. But, um, yeah, I, I thought he looked good. And I just think with him, what if he can just keep having um, that change of pace and ability to get create space. I think that's just what is kind of the swing skill for him overall. One last guy I just kind of want to get into a little bit before we move on is Isaac Okoro, who I just want to say did a fantastic job against the Nets. Um, Again, you know, the offensive role has been kind of what it's been all season. Not going to get into that, but obviously, you know, he's, he's done what he's been doing, which is very good. But just the ability to take on a defensive assignment like James Harden, like he did throughout this little mini series, and really, obviously, I mean, James Harden's going to do what James Harden does at times, but really just lock him down at times as well. I mean, having a guy who in his rookie season in his 14th and 15th games is able to stick with James Harden out on the perimeter, and yes, James Harden drew a couple fouls. I think there was one on Kyrie where, you know, just got a little bit over, you know, a little bit handsy and just reached in and paid for it. But overall, just his ability to, you know, stay disciplined against what probably, you know, on the perimeter, if not the hardest guy to guard in the league, one of them really just shows you (laughs) how, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but, you know, just how, how NBA ready his defensive abilities, you know, really are. I just think it shows you just how how much he's really really capable of doing on the end. Would you agree with that, Dan? Yeah, um, no doubt. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think Harden shot. I think uh, I think it was like twelve twenty eight over two games um, per the matchup data, and I think Fear of the Sword tweeted that out or something. And um, yeah, I mean, and he was on him the vast majority of the time, and. Uh, yeah, like, and you just scale that out. I mean, James, it's a, maybe that's not like a huge. Maybe people think like, okay, it's not like like all star level defense, but it, considering it's 
a top probably three or four score in the league, um, factoring the skill set and his ability to draw fouls, whether you like it or not. Like you just figure it's that's just kind of a shows what he's able to do against just non James Harden level players. So yeah, it's not always going to be um, the basics box score guy, but he just knows what his role is right now. Um, and with other guys around him, I, I there's I, there's been a couple shots lately that I don't know how they physically didn't go down for him. Um, but oh, a couple of just in and outs. Yeah. yeah, and I just think the more kind of like corner triples he gets, I think he'll be able to knock those down. I don't know what the clips are um, off the top of my head, but yeah, I just think with him, it's his ability to 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 be kind of reach his hand in off the ball um, and shut passes off and um, kind of shows. And he's able to get, it seems like a bucket or two every game just from that, um, which just kind of just shows how much of a grinder he is. And um, on the ball, he's most of the time not handsy. And I think for a young player, that's just kind of shows that he's, he's a heady kid and uh, he's, he's only, only scratching the uh, surface right now. Yeah, one more guy I do actually want to get into is JaVale McGee, who didn't see any minutes in either of these two games. Um, obviously, with the addition of Jared Allen, the, the center rotation is kind of set right now. Abadu, do you think that we're going to see JaVale McGee get any minutes moving forward here? Do you think – I mean, at, at this point, it seems like unless Andre is dealt, a JaVale trade is pretty much inevitable at this point. Um do you think that that's something that we'll see soon as a trade, or do you think that there's a chance that he gets reintroduced to the rotation? How are you feeling about JaVale? Yeah, um, I just don't really see where he could get reintroduced into the rotation, um, especially, you know, concerning that uh, Kevin Love, I believe, is, what, three weeks into his, his five-week window of when he's going to be, you know, uh, re-examined or whatever again, I guess. So I, I just don't think he'll get reintroduced. Um, but I do want to say I do appreciate JaVale for what he's doing off the court. You know, we see he's still leading those, um, you know, pregame pep talks, I guess, or group discussions that, you know, the all the players have together before the games. Um, he had a little video presentation that he made after the Cavs won that uh, thriller against the Nets. So, you know, his presence still being felt, you know, he's still that leader in the locker room, you know, and considering that he's been, you know, all but, you know, wiped from the lineup. It, that's still great to see. Um, I just really don't expect him back for the Cavs. I do think that we'll see a trade for him in the coming week or two, but I, I do appreciate him for, for what he's doing, you know, even though he's not in the lineup. Yeah, no, I mean, this this entire season has been a pro's pro, you know, whether he's playing or not. And it is, it's great to see him on the bench, still engaged, still cheering for his teammates. Just you know, exactly what you would hope for a guy like him who's a vet and just kind of, you know, it's still, you know, is important for this team as of right now, even if he's not playing. But um, one thing that we have seen and we've been talking about since, basically since this James Harden trade has happened here on the podcast, is the whole situation of McGee to the Nets being a real possibility. Obviously, you know, we were talking about that d- disabled player exception from Spencer Dinwiddie. The Nets now officially have that. They were granted that exception. So Amico, Sam Amico actually reported that the Nets are expected to make a run at acquiring McGee. Um, they have two open roster spots as of right now. You can get into that in a minute. But, Dan, does it seem like a done deal at this point that JaVale McGee is probably going to be a net? It just kind of makes too much sense to me. Yeah, I'm 
totally with you there. Um, they, they clearly, again, it's it's a two-game sample, and it was the first two games with, or I guess the first one was just um, with Durant. Is the, they're going to take some time to kind of have to mesh and figure out how they can make that work. That's just what happens. But um, they definitely need uh, a guy in, uh, in the middle, like at, when Jordan is out, um, even though he's he's not a guy that I guess with that sort of roster construction is going to have nearly the role he had here. But um, yeah, they just need guys that uh, can have shot, shot alterers. And um, I, I don't know exactly what this can't remember exactly what the stat was, but I, I think it was the Nets gave up the most points in the paint. I think Malik Andrews tweeted it in um they're in the last like 25 years in a two game sample for the in that's history. So that just kind of shows they obviously need um, more bodies that, uh, and it seems like a proven vet at this point is at least in that role, no disrespect to Reggie Perry, but they just need a guy that can kind of has been there, done that. And that just seems pretty clear that they, that just seems like a foregone conclusion within like the next week. Well, Dan, you do know that they did just sign former Cavalier, real, really Cavalier oh, sorry, legend, right. Norvell Pell, to a contract for this season. Um, scooped up Norvell off of the Canton Charge. Uh, the, the Canton Charge had just announced their, their, their roster that they were going to take into the G League bubble with Norvell on it, and then Norvell breaks our hearts and signs with the Brooklyn Nets. So... You know what? Maybe maybe they don't swing a JaVale trade. Maybe they maybe they're happy with Pell. I don't know. But um that that honestly kind of confuses me because it seems like th- this Amico report that they were still in the running for McGee came out after they signed Norvell Pell. Which is just like why sign Norvell if you're, you know, planning on bringing in another center. Well, don't they but, didn't um, they have how many did they have to, how many roster spots do they now have? Is it just one or two? They now have two. They, now have they two. did have three. They now have two. Yeah, I mean I just think that's. I think it's. It doesn't really affect it, just because. I mean, you you know what you're getting with McGee. I don't know. I mean, it, with Norvell, I mean, he's he's a. I guess like a. He's somewhat of a shot blocker in spurts, but. I don't know. At least with McGee, like he's actually like a real finisher, as well. I just I don't really think. Norvell is actually going to get minutes, but I I could be wrong. No, I don't either. Amadou, are you, are you disappointed that the uh, the Norvell Powell era has come to an end here in Cleveland slash Canton? Uh, you know, are you, are you is is it keeping you up at night that we're never going to see Norvell Powell on a ten day with the Cavs? Yeah, man, we we lost a good one, man. But uh, in all seriousness, you know, I'm happy for Norvell to get an NBA contract. You know, hopefully he kills with the Nets, but I still see a, a McGee trade to the Nets happening, even with that signing. Well, looking at not just Norvell, but some other former Cavaliers now signing all around the league, just want to note this really quick. John Tucker, who we've talked about here on the podcast, just got a two-way contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, another Cavalier legend, Jordan Bell, just signed a 10-day contract under the hardship exception with the Wizards today. So good stuff to see some of these guys getting opportunities. You know, hopefully they'll play well, but uh, we won't spend too much time on that. Looking ahead at this week, this podcast will be up on Monday, which means that the Celtics will have played already. Um, they played Sunday. They then play the Lakers and the Pistons next week before our next recording. 
Celtics kind of struggling right now. Lakers obviously not struggling right now. And Pistons, in like the Cavs, are kind of still in that feisty period of the season. I, I expect the Pistons to fall off and have one of the worst records in the East. But they're, they're playing hard right now. Jeremy Grant has proven me wrong, at least so far. I did not think he would play at the level that he's playing at. Um, Amadou, we'll start with you. Any matchup in here that you're looking at particularly? And uh, just how do you think this week will go? I'm really excited to see how the Cavs bigs will match up against Anthony Davis and Montrezl. Hill. You know, I feel like that would be delightful to watch. Um, you know, anytime the Cavs face LeBron, it's always going to be a treat. Uh, those games seem, seem to be um, relatively close. I remember that last one he played, or maybe not the last one, but I think it was 2019, you know, his first year, that competitive game um, we had. Unfortunately, we did lose. Uh, but, yeah, I feel like now these will be, you know, real tests to see if the Cavs, you know, are really legit playoff contenders or if this is just all, you know, like a early season, you know, fire thing. I don't know. But like you said, you know, the Celtics, you know, they've had some some close wins, some kind of big losses. So I feel like that game, you know, will also be another one that's interesting because they're a team as well who I would assume, you know, they'd have championship aspirations. And then, like you said, the Pistons, they're always, you know, a feisty team, a fiery team. Who they they like to keep games competitive and Jeremy Grant is is playing really well but um you know all three games should be interesting to watch and um, uh, I'm excited. Well, looking at you mentioned the the Cavs versus LeBron matchup always being a treat. Obviously, we will see you know Tristan Thompson in his first game against the Cavs as a Boston Celtic, and we'll also see some reunions against the Pistons with Wayne Ellington and Derrick Rose playing against their former teams. So. Some former Cavaliers coming up here, but um, I'm really looking forward to the Tristan Thompson matchup. Hopefully he plays in this game. I, it seems like he will. I'm not saying there's, there's not really any real speculation that he won't, but Larry Nance Jr. said that he's looking forward to dunking on Tristan. Uh, I want to see if Jared Allen can dunk on Tristan. I'm just excited to watch that game in general. I think Isaac Okoro will be put on, you know, really, really tested again, having to guard either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. I think that's going to be fun to watch. Um, kind of two similar-ish guards in Darius Garland and Kemba Walker. I think that'll be entertaining to watch in particular. Um, <laughs> I talk about the matchups against um, against Boston. I'm assuming that Isaac Okoro might get might get to go up against LeBron as well. That'll be really really exciting to watch. Um, so overall, you know, I would have said you know coming in maybe this will be a rough week. You know, the Celtics I, again they're struggling, but they're still a very good team. Obviously, the Lakers are great. But coming off two wins against the Nets, I'm feeling good about this 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 yeah. upcoming three game stretch. Uh, I I really think that this team could go you know two and one, maybe three and zero. Oh, I I don't know. The Lakers could really be a difficult game, but we'll just have to see. I I'm I'm optimistic heading into this this week. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Cavaliers go two and one. Dan, where are you at here? Well, I'm gonna say they go one and two. Um, I'm gonna have to be the bearer of bad news, but. Yeah, I just think with uh, with the Celtics and Lakers, um, that's a that's a tough back to back. I think it's in Boston Sunday, uh, but yeah, I just think it'll be I, I, interesting to see how um, can the Cavs. I'll have to see how they kind of can they dominate in the paint again. I don't personally in the next two games see that. Um, but I, I think they'll play hard. I think they'll be in them. But I just think um, the Lakers uh, on that back-to-back, I think they'll eventually pull away. 
Um, and But, yeah, I think it'll be just fun to see who, uh, again, will be a primary matchup on LeBron. Um, do, the ha- do the Cavs, h- how do they kind of work in their zone there? As well, I think they've they've kind of had some set success there. It's kind of bothered other teams, but it's been a little bit up and down. They've had some miscommunications off the ball, especially um, kind of in secondary transition. That's kind of where I'm going to be looking to see how they do there. Um, but are, are they going to be really aggressive in how they guard LeBron? Do they um, kind of look to double him and or Davis? Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it'll be kind of a look for Cavs fans uh, more uh, at THT, who they've been rumored to have to look into in the offseason. Um, and, yeah, with, with Detroit, it's always kind of a scratch-and-claw game um, dating back when Drummond was there, I, I guess most of the time when he was there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll just be fun to see how can – Winler kind of string things together here. Can he really um, kind of establish himself as that off-ball guy? Does does he look really rusty? Uh, can he can Darius kind of um, keep get going more? Um, and I, I just hope with Colin that um, it it almost seemed like in that last game he looked to have aggravated that ankle a little bit, I, and then kind of seemed fine, but. He, he played through it, though, so I'm, I'm assuming that he'll be okay. Yeah, I think it, it probably a day for treatment and or a day and a half, whatever, will help. But, yeah, it's it's going to be fun to see um, TT as well. All right, so, Dan, you have him going one and two this week. I have him going two and one. Amadou, where do you stand? I'll, I'll side with you on this one, Justin. I have them going two and one. And For the record? Yeah, I, I think they'll probably. Oh, you know what? No, never go, mind. Go ahead, never go mind. Ahead. I already said it. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'll have them. I have them being the Celtics and the Pistons. Unfortunately, losing to the Lakers on that back to back. But um, either way, I feel like all three games should be, you know, good ones to watch. Yeah, this should all be entertaining. So, uh, anything else from either of you before we get out of here? No, that's thank you, Javale. That's all I can say. Thank you, Javale. You've you've been great, and you continue to be great until we inevitably send you to somewhere where you can get real minutes so uh with that thank you everybody out there so much for listening uh thank you dan and amadou as always for coming on always a fun time uh if you enjoyed listening subscribe you'll never miss another episode that way uh go back and listen to some other episodes leave a rating leave a review all that good stuff and uh we will see you next time If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.